we've been following a theme uh, coming into Lent, and the theme is um, knowing God as our Father and um, knowing that we are sons and daughters. Um, and we've been looking at that, what it is to go deeper on the journey into understanding God as our Father, understanding um, what it means to be a son, a daughter who is loved by this Father. And it's come up a few times in the past few weeks, and we spoke about it on Ash Wednesday. The daily devotions are linked to this as well. And we've really um, zoomed in on John's Gospel, because John, more than any, refers to, um, well, in John's Gospel, Jesus refers to God as his Father. As, um, and the word that he uses is, is, is Dad, Papa, often when he refers to this Father it's an intimate word of expression. And so the passages which we've chosen to preach on, the various preachers throughout Lent, all come from John's Gospel and are passages that are rich in um, this metaphor of God as our Father. Not just metaphor, but the understanding of the um, personality of God and the desire for God to know us like a father and a, a son or a father and a daughter. So today we come to this passage which is all about bread and Jesus, the bread of life, which we've heard many times, many of you have heard many times. Um, if you're a child in the family, you don't need to be asked to turn up at mealtimes most of the time, especially when you're young. You're, you're running around, you're full of energy and you're hungry. And so when it's supper time or breakfast time, whatever it may be, you run to the table. And there, there, you don't need to earn your breakfast or your supper. You come to the table and you eat. Your expectation is that mom and dad will provide, that I can sit down at this table and the food will be provided. And as mums and dads, our expectation is that we will feed our children. And when times are tough and we're struggling to feed our children, it can be a source of great anxiety. You don't have to go much further than Rosmead Avenue outside the Municipal Recycling Centre to see the desperation of fathers. Uh, maybe there are mothers there too, but I see a lot of men lined up along the road, desperate to get work. And some of those who I, I have uh, worked with before and have asked to come and help with painting or gardening, um, and we've talked and they've shared their story, have said how desperate they are to feed their children. Uh, how tough it is waiting, hoping for work so that you can get enough money to come and feed your children. Um, whether that's sending money back to another country or another part of the country or they're waiting here at home. Um, that, just, that desire is built into us as parents to feed our children. And so John chapter 6, well the lion's share of the chapter is about bread. Um, if you look at it, the first part is about the, there we go, the first part is about the feeding of the 5,000 and this incredible miracle, which is about Jesus saying to the disciples, teaching moment, how are you going to feed these people? 5,000. And the passages say 5,000 men, we say plus women and children, there were a lot of people. Um, and Andrew comes and says, well, there's this boy and he's got five loaves and two fish. Can, you, can we do something with that? In John's Gospel, um, Jesus' words are, where will we buy enough food to feed them? 
Um, in other Gospels, that's the question the disciples ask, but they respond to say this is a helpless exercise. We can't feed so many people. And so the miracle begins as Jesus lifts up what one boy has brought for his picnic lunch and feeds all these people. And it's an amazing thing to see how the Son of God can take a little and make it more than enough because there are leftovers. And so um, in uh, verse 13 of chapter 6, we see how there were 12 baskets loaded up with leftovers of just the bread. Others mentioned the fish. Um, But there was more than enough. That's the picture that we get. Then the the disciples get into a boat and they go off. Jesus goes up to a mountain to pray. Jesus, uh, he leaves the disciples there on the water. It gets stormy and they become afraid. Jesus is walking out on the water and they see him and they're more afraid because they think they're seeing a ghost. But he brings peace and gets into the boat and it says immediately they were on the other side of the water. So something was going on there. But bringing peace to the disciples' hearts... And then we see that there's a crowd, um, and probably the same crowd that had been fed are now following him around the lake because they can't find him. And they come to Capernaum, where Jesus and his disciples have landed. And this whole discourse happens in the synagogue in Capernaum, where I have stood. I don't know if any of you have stood there. Ruins of a, a little Jewish synagogue in the town of Capernaum on the shores of Lake Galilee, Just down the the same road, there's the ruins of a little house, uh, which you can see underneath, and on top of it is built a modern church called St. Peter's Church, and it's where they believe uh, Peter's house might have been. Um, Here they are in this town of Capernaum, and it's a real place. They've come to the synagogue, and they're seeking out Jesus. And Jesus' response is you're looking at me not just because of the miracles and the things I did, the healing, which is why it says they followed him to be fed when, we, when he fed the 5,000. He says, you're coming to me because of the bread. You're coming because you had food in your stomachs and now you want something more. And there's this whole discourse about uh, Moses and he provided a sign and there was manna in the desert, um, enough for every day. And Jesus says to them, well, don't look to Moses. He's not your father. My father is your father in heaven, and he gives bread that gives life to the world. And they say, yes, please, we want some of this bread. Um, And then we come to um, the sets the scene for Jesus, who says, I am the bread of life. Now, this is one of seven declarations that Jesus makes about himself. Seven times in the book of John, we read Jesus saying, I am, statements, I am, this is who I am. And each one of them refers to his salvation relationship with the people of the world, God's desire to save people. I'm the light of the world. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the bread of life. And bread is something we need for life. So let's just, um, if you've got it in front of you, that's good. John chapter 6, verse 35. No, I've got the light from, from the window. I think I'm okay. Thanks, Mary. Um, and so Jesus says to them, 
verse 35. What I do need is glasses, but I'm, I'm doing okay. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. A passage which has spoken to the church again and again and again through the centuries of something of the desire of God to feed his people and meeting that need in the person of Jesus. And so, the first question we should ask is, why bread? Why did he choose bread? Um, he could have said anything else. I'm, I'm the table of life. I'm, the, I'm the, the path of life. Another one we know is Jesus said, I am the way. He said, on this occasion, I am the bread. Now, very much fresh in their minds was this feeding. And very much a part of their makeup as a nation in Israel was bread as a staple and essential to be fed. You couldn't live without this. Um, if Jesus had been walking in, uh, on our continent and down south, he, he might have said, I am the pup of life. If he'd been walking in Asia at that point, he might have said, I am the rice of life. He was saying, I am the staple. I am that essential thing that without it, you're going to starve to death. He was also saying that the kind of hunger and thirst that you have is not the physical one. You chase after me because I fed you physical bread, but your need is much deeper. There's a spiritual need that I want to fill. And so this, um, if you come to me, you won't hunger. If you believe in me, you won't thirst, is referring straight back to the Sermon on the Mount. We should hear it echoing. Um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Those who are hungry and thirsty for the things of God, for righteousness, for his kingdom, they are the ones who are going to be satisfied. Not those who are already satisfied, who feel they've got everything, who feel they're in control of life, but those who come with a need. And he's naming a spiritual need. So firstly, let's remember Jesus is saying, I'm the essential of life, I'm the bread of life. He's also saying, let's make a shift here. I'm not just talking physically about bread, I'm actually talking spiritually about a life that I want to give you within that will never run out, that will be sustained. Also, he's making an I am statement. He's equating himself to God. When God met with Jesus, uh, sorry, with Moses at the burning bush, and Moses said to him, who shall I tell the people that you are? He says, tell them that I am. I am who I am. This is the phrase Yahweh, which the Israelites came to know to refer to God. And so when Jesus used the words I am, there's strong indication here. There was offense there was wow, there was shock that Jesus was claiming to be God when he said, I am the bread of life, equating himself. But there was also an invitation to come and believe. If you were here on Wednesday and you had ashes marked on your forehead, you would have heard the words, 
turn from your sin and believe the good news. Throughout the Gospels, we see this in Jesus' invitation. Come to me. Come and believe. To the disciples, go and proclaim the kingdom is here. Come and follow. Jesus is the one. This invitation to come and believe. To hunger and to thirst. So how? How do we do it? How do we receive this bread? How do we respond to the words of Jesus when he says, I am the bread of life. If you believe in me, you will not go hungry. If you follow me, you will not be thirsty. Well, part of the clue is in John chapter 6, verse 44. And as I poured over all these verses, there is so much to, to un, not untangle, but to, to unfold before us because there's rich message within this about the relationship between God and his Father. And in verse 44 of chapter 6, Jesus says this. He says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me, who sent Jesus, draws them. So the first thing is that we're a bit helpless in terms of coming to God. We need him to come to us first. We need him to draw us to himself first. And no doubt in all of our lives seated here this morning, we can recognize how God has drawn us to himself, how the Father has called us to himself and said, come, over the years, through the testimony of a friend through a moment when God provided, throughout our lives in various ways how the Father has been drawing us. And because the Father draws us, we can come to Jesus. That's what this verse is saying. Because the Father initiates, we can respond. Verse 56, later on, Jesus says, For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. This has been one of the hottest verses discussed through history and through theology. What does Jesus mean? Is this an invitation to cannibalism? Well, we certainly don't see the people of the crowd starting to eat Jesus and chop him up and cook him and put him in a pot. It doesn't happen. Which should be our first clue that they, as a crowd, were instantly able to see that this invitation was not that Jesus was talking about his flesh and blood that we needed to eat, but that there was a spiritual reality that he'd invited them to. This, those who hunger for thirst and righteousness, you will be satisfied. You will eat and drink of me. And the key part of this verse is that um, whoever eats my flesh and drink, drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. 
reminding us again of the vine, Jesus' invitation to remain in me. Another I am statement, I am the true vine. If you remain in me, you'll have life. And so the key is to have life in him. And um, so this spiritual reality is brought to life before the people. They've been chasing after bread, and Jesus says, well, I am the bread, but I'm not the kind of bread that you put on a plate. I'm the kind of bread that will give you life, and life in all its fullness, life into eternity. And when we come to this time of communion, and we come to take bread and wine, in some parts of the church, yes, um, they've come to believe that either the bread and the wine actually physically become the body and the blood of Jesus, or they spiritually become the body and the blood of Jesus. These are the theories of um, transubstantiation and consubstantiation. And, and they speak to different beliefs about what actually happens. And how do we translate this verse? But as um, the Protestant church, the evangelical church in the world, we've come to interpret this in the spiritual way that says um, this bread and wine does not become Jesus. It cannot become Jesus. It represents and it reminds us of the body and blood of Jesus. It reminds us of the reality of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so when we draw close to this table, when we come to receive at this table, what we're doing is saying, I want to remain in you, Jesus. I want to be close to you, Jesus. I remind myself of the life of Jesus that runs inside my veins and my need of you. And I come with a hunger, with a thirst for you. It reminds us of our unity with our Father through faith in Jesus, his death and his resurrection. And so today, as we hold before us Jesus, the bread of life, I am the bread of life. This is an invitation to remain in God through Jesus. This is an invitation to draw closer to a Father who loves us. It's an invitation to, just as we need our meal each day, to draw close to God and say, I need you, God, each day. I need your life running through me. I can't live without you. To not remain in him is to, to live life my way. Is to say, I, I don't need this scripture. I don't need this prayer. God, I, I'm going to walk away from it all. I'm going to walk my way. And we know that that way leads to destruction. But that the way of seeking God, remaining in God, leads to life. It leads to fullness of life. It leads to joy. So what does this passage tell us about our Father? What kind of Father do we have in heaven? Well, this tells us about a Father who is generous to feed us, who is generous to see our need before we know our own need. It tells us about a Father who has more than enough for our need. Yes, physically, but also spiritually. He sees the need of our soul he sees our insecurities, our failures, our wanderings, and he says, I know what you need. Come to me. This is a father who loves us and calls us out 
A father who seeks us before we seek him. This is a father who provided the bread on the table, just like you may provide bread for your children or grandchildren. He provides bread, and that bread is Jesus. He says, if you feed on this one, my son, you will never grow hungry or thirsty. You will be fed. Your spirit will be full, and you will overflow, and you will be a blessing. This is the Father who gives lasting life. And secondly, what does it say about us as sons and daughters? What kind of sons and daughters have a father like this? Well, there isn't insecurity at home. Will dad make it today? Will he make enough money today to get enough bread to feed us? Or will I go to sleep hungry again? He's not one of us who struggles to get it right in this life. He is the perfect father. And please hear me, I'm not saying there's something wrong with the father that is struggling to provide or the mother who is struggling to feed her children. I really believe that God lifts them up above. He says, the widows and the orphans, these are the ones you need to love and feed. But he says to us, I'm your perfect father and I have more than enough for your need. And yes, he does want to provide for our physical need. But more than that, he provides for our eternity. And he provides now for our joy and our peace and our life in his presence. And so, as sons and daughters, we are welcome at the table every time. And every time there's something to eat, again and again. If you make the time for God, God has more than all the time in the world for you. When you sit down and open your Bible and say, God, I want to meet with you today. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for you. He meets you there. This is the kind of father we have. When you turn to him because you don't know what else to do in the situation and say, Father, help me. Give me wisdom in this moment. He's there for you. He responds to you. He meets you in that moment. He's got more than enough. He's the father who says, come to my table. You're always welcome. And this passage says he never drives you away. Those who belong to Jesus, he will never drive away. He'll never push away from his table. Again and again. That's the kind of father he is. That's the kind of sons and daughters he wants us to be. Not squabbling and grumbling over the leftovers. But living with love for one another because our father loves us and has provided more than enough for all of the children. It's orphans who live in a way that need to hold on to what they've got for fear of losing it. Hold on to mom and dad because they might go, they might disappoint me. But it's sons and daughters who sit comfortably at the table, unafraid of losing out because they know who their father is. Let us know our father this morning and turn our hearts to him afresh. Whatever you may be facing today, take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to your father in Jesus and trust that what he has is bread of life. It's more than enough for you today. Amen.